introduce to you the Deputy Minister of International Relations and Cooperation. Thank you very much, uh, Asanda and Kosi Kakulu, Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Let me first do acknowledgements and give accolades uh, to the King of Amateur and the National Youth Development Agency and the stewardship of the Executive Chairperson Asanda Lubacha. Asanda, uh, Rosa Luxemburg once said, uh, We must always proclaim loudly when things are happening. And things are happening under your leadership in terms of the youth development agenda in South Africa. We want to thank uh, Karabo and also congratulate you for your master's degree which you obtained, I hope, within the prescribed period of time. Um, and thank you very much uh, uh, for Ms. Belay from uh, NYDA, board member. And I want to also welcome uh, the participation of the chief executive officer of NYDA, Wasim, who is for all purposes, ladies and gentlemen, uh, migrating closer to old age. Uh, I think he just celebrated his birthday a day or so uh, back, so he's officially uh, on, the, on the line of departure. But thank you very much for your commitment, Wasim, uh, to the youth development uh, trajectory. Um, and I'll, I'll look at the YouTube uh, page of Chris, of the, who is the Deputy Secretary of the Pan-African. Parliament. Um, I think it's important that young people are well organized. Uh, I wish to acknowledge a, once a former colleague of mine, the Acting Director General of the South African Department of Women, Youth and Persons Living with Disabilities, Mayor Chabalala, uh, leaders of South Africa, Zimbabwe, Namibia, Botswana, Uganda, Algeria, Ghana, Senegal, and Kenya that is present here. I want to say Murwen, Ninonke, good day to all of you, Banjo, Anopa, Machi. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, finish my submission this morning that African young people was a source of hope and ingenuity. The decolonial epoch and uh, period for struggle of independence of Africa's uh, uh, struggle were foregrounded by youth leadership. For example, we had Kwame Krumen, who was 47 years old, Julius Nerere, that was 38 years old, Patrice Lumumba, which was 34 years old, Kamal Abdel Nassar, 33 years of age, Thomas Sankara was 34 years of age, and Nelson Mandela, who deepened himself in the struggle at only 22 years of age. Today, ladies and gentlemen, the median age of Africa's youth leadership is 41 years of age. 
contrast and juxtapose that then the average age of either African head of state or of government, which is today standing at 64 years. My submission, ladies and gentlemen, is that uh, it cannot be regarded as a democratic dividend, that during the times of the organization of African Unity, or OAU, the struggles for colonial independence at the median age of 41 years old. And uh, today, as we are speaking about the possibility of African Union dividend, Africa are led by heads of states which has an average age of 64 years of age. So therein, ladies and gentlemen, lies one of the key and better challenges that young people uh, should be seized with. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this weekend's gathering facilitated under the privilege of the National Youth Development Agency titled the Nelson Mandela Youth Dialogue is indeed a source of inspiration and ingenuity. You will engage with pivotal thematic items such as labor migration, the continental free trade agreement, just transition discussions and the issues of jobs plus skills for the future. I think it is critical to indicate to you, and I'm actually printing to the converter, that you as a group are not homogeneous in character. There are different social groups that face distinct advantages who work together with the ailment of social exclusions affecting young people broadly, experience concomitant challenges as it relates to unemployment, poverty, and inequality. What that requires, ladies and gentlemen, is young people of Africa that should be seized with the African agenda enshrined in Agenda 2063, which speaks about Africa we want, and who is ingrained in it, the issues about inclusive prosperity. The AU's African agenda pivoted, ladies and gentlemen, and it claimed that Africa's young people is the continent's biggest resource, and if properly harnessed, the African Union says Africa's young population offers the most proximate of opportunity for inclusive prosperity for the African uh, continent. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, there are seven aspirations embedded in our Africa Agenda 2063. Number one speaks about a prosperous Africa based on inclusive growth and sustainability. It speaks about integrated uh, continent that are politically united and premise on the ideals of pan-Africanism and the vision of the African Renaissance. It speaks about the Africa that is premised on good governance, democracy, respect for human rights and the rule of law. It further advocates for peaceful and secure Africa, and an Africa that is strong on cultural identity, having appreciation for our diversity, which unites us. 
Aspiration 6 speaks about the Africa development agenda that is pivoted by young people and women. And it concludes, ladies and gentlemen, and says, the seven key aspirations is for Africa that becomes a global and influential role player. In 2017, ladies and gentlemen, the AU declared its thematic theme as harnessing the democratic development through investments in young people. So that's almost six years ago. I hope at some time young people of different African states must make a diagnostic assessment of whether indeed over the past six years there was the harnessing of the democratic dividend through the investment in yourselves. Remember that was the elders that have made that commitment in 2017. It is my submission, ladies and gentlemen, and this is confirmed also by documents of the African Union Commission, that limited progress has been made in regard to the investment of young people since 2017. It therefore holds, ladies and gentlemen, that much more needs to be done. And we want to raise this and say there's a need for the domestication of Agenda 2063 in all your different countries. The first problem statement, Honorable Chairperson of the NYDA, is that there's a, there's a differentiated definition of what young people are. The United Nations, of course, declared and defined young people as those between the ages of 15 and 24. The African Union and the African Youth Charter defines young people as persons between the ages of 15 and 35 years of age. But subsequent to that, ladies and gentlemen, there's a number of abnormalities that occurs. The African Union Commission in 2009 African Youth Report, which defined young people as those persons between the ages of 15 and 39 years of age. That's an abnormally, isn't it so? Secondly, you have a number of other countries, such as Ghana, Tanzania, South Africa, defines young people as, correctly so, in corresponding with the AU uh, definition, as young people between 15 and 35. But you have Nigeria and Iswatini, that says young people are those persons between the ages of 12 and 30 years of age. Botswana and Mauritius further complicates the definition of who you are. But saying that young people in those countries are those between 14 and 25 years of age. And Kenya added fuel on an already troublesome definition, ladies and gentlemen, but saying that young people are those between 15 and 30 years of age. In Sichuan, we say, it means there's big problems. In terms of a uniform definition, Chris, of who young people are. And this is important, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm raising it here to leadership of young people because there must be a certainty of thought of who you are and what is your corresponding obligations to which young people 
defined appropriately in which age group. So I'm leaving this as one of the tasks that young people should continue to engage with, having hindsight of the fact that a young person that is under the age of 24 have completely different challenges than a young person uh, that are between 28 and 35 years of age. Having said that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the African continental free trade area is probably the one most pivotal instrument within our Pan-Africanist repository that seeks to leapfrog on the issues of poverty. I want to raise a few issues and uh, I invite most of you uh, as young people to read the latest magazine from the African Business Magazine, uh, February 2023, which highlighted a number of few issues that I actually looked at. The first issue, ladies and gentlemen, is that all of you know that the DRC, in particular the past, the east side of the DRC is a conflict raven area, isn't it so? And most of us think it's just because of the scarce resources that are being mined into in uh, the North Kivi uh, province, in particular the area close to Goma. But what we don't know, ladies and gentlemen, is that the DRC of what we call methane, which is a main constituent of natural gas that is trapped on the border between the DRC and Rwanda in the Lake Kuvi uh, area. From that specific uh, project, it will enable 60 megawatts of gas to electricity uh, project to a tune of more than 300 million US dollar. And I'm raising this so that young people must understand what is the original causes of conflict it's not about ethnic mobilization. It's not about religious uh, differences. The major cause, ladies and gentlemen, of conflict in Africa is because of the politics of political economy. In the DRC, conflict raven area, <coughs> but it possesses a wealth of natural gas that are being exploited as we speak. Then, ladies and gentlemen, there's a country in, uh, in Africa called Djibouti. It's actually a country with uh, one of the fewest uh, population. I think South Africa's population is about 61 million. Djibouti's population harvests around one, one million people. Djibouti, ladies and gentlemen, is the country where in the biggest bases of foreign armies are stationed. So you have the biggest bases of foreign armies are stationed in Djibouti. But Djibouti signed a one billion rand a rocket deal with aerospace technology, which is a Hong Kong company 
in the and it signed the deal on the basis of a 30-year management contract in satellite networking engineering and precise uh, satellite manufacturing modalities. What this means, ladies and gentlemen, because Djibouti has a very close proximity to the Equator, making it an ideal launching site for satellites and for research in information communications technology. Djibouti is the immediate opportunity dividend for Africa's young people from Djibouti as a country. And we are raising this, ladies and gentlemen, because in Africa, as we are speaking here today, and as we are concluding this dialogue process, we have 15 states in Africa, 15 states in Africa that have commissioned the manufacturing of space satellites. All those 15 countries have commissioned satellite manufacturing components from outside of Africa. Do you understand the challenges that we are facing with? That the issues about satellite technology, the issues about net, mobile networking uh, uh, stations is an opportunity dividend within the context of the African Continental Free Trade Agreement. But as we are speaking, Hafuna capacity, there's no capacity in any of the African states to manufacture satellite components for space industry. So the immediate opportunity, if the young people at the foresight of Amil Cabral, of Thomas Sankara, of Nelson Mandela, is to urgently agitate, to urgently mobilize yourself along those lines. The third example which I wanted to make, ladies and gentlemen, I think all of us understand there is a conflict that are raging in uh, northern Mozambique and Cabo Delgado, isn't it so? And uh, all of us, if you read the literature, it says it's because of energy, your, your natural gas deposits that are discovered in Cabo Delgado, isn't it so? But if you read further in terms of the economic literature, what you have there, ladies and gentlemen, there's a huge mine called the Balma Mine. Um, it's in the southern hills of uh, northern Mozambique. It is mined by an Australian company, Sierra Resources. And it's working on a graphite reserve, which would ultimately help to power electric vehicles uh, constructed in America by Elon Musk, Tesla. Now you know Tesla is the biggest and the most valuable uh, car manufacturer in the world today, isn't it so? So the mines of Northern Mozambique, when we speak about the, the green transition, the green economy, renewable energy, is having a dialectical relationship between the graphite reserves being mined in northern Mozambique and 
the American just transition uh, uh, program, which will be based on electric cars in the near future. So if there's a young person from Mozambique, if there's a young person from SADC in our midst, when we speak about African continental free trade area, we don't speak about it as an abstract issue. We speak about it as an immediate opportunity that young people would be able to capitalize on if they are appropriately organized alongside those lines. And then the fourth and last issue, ladies and gentlemen, uh, because I think there was one colleague that spoke, spoke earlier about the centrality of Pan-Africanism. You know, the, the only colony in Africa that are left is in, is, is, is in Western Sahara, isn't it so? I think most of you know the challenges between Morocco uh, and the people of Western Sahara, isn't it so? I think most of you know it. But once again, when there is a conflict, when there is hostility in Africa, it is the responsibility of young people. In the words of Chekho Havana, he said, young people must always ask why things happen in the manner it does. So, in the area of what we call the occupied territories in Western Sahara, there's a, there's a, there's a, a what I call a gem of a reserve that actually belongs to the people of the Sahara. It's called the Prospite Reserve, ladies and gentlemen. Prospite Reserve. And the area that the Moroccans occupy has the most highest concentration of your Postite Reserve. Now your Postite Reserve is your key ingredient that are used to produce fertilizer. Do you understand? So fertilizer, for you to have grain, for you to have agricultural crops, you can't do it without prostate. And the biggest prostate in Africa is located in the occupied territory of Western Sahara. So I hope that the leadership here, when we speak about challenges of occupation, you speak about conflicts, always look at the detail level. What is the original cause of conflict? It's not ethnicity, it's not religion, it's the question of political economy. So I thought I must raise that, ladies and gentlemen. When we speak about, obviously, your African Continental Free Trade Agreement, uh, the African Union 36th Ordinary Session of the Assembly that uh, convened in others in February have encouraged all the member states of the AU to make sure that they assist with the acceleration of your Continental Free Trade Agreement. Now, the one key opportunity within your free trade area, ladies and gentlemen, if we want to unlock the free trade area in Africa, 
it will require 2 million trucks to be manufactured and produced just to ensure the mobility of goods and services among the African states. 2 million trucks. So when you say that, what is this opportunity dividend on the Continental Free Trade Agreement? This is one of your biggest in terms of your industrialized, the industrialization pro process of your Continental uh, Free Trade Agreement. Ladies and gentlemen, the Aspiration 6 obviously speaks about young people, where young people are, and what is the role of young people as it relates uh, to their plight. I think one of the key issues that we want to acknowledge as leaderships of governments and of heads of states in Africa is the transitionary nature of young people from the time that they graduate from secondary school, from the time that they go to your training, education, and vocational institutions, and ultimately to the labor market. The one issue, ladies and gentlemen, that we acknowledge is that the youth powers in a democratic parliament poses the biggest opportunities, but it also poses the biggest risks. If young people continue to feel excluded from Africa's development, it will become a pitfall for discussions on a democratic transition. I want to raise, ladies and gentlemen, a very important issue about the centrality of your regional mechanisms or your regional economic communities. As young people are gathered here under the umbrella of the Nelson Mandela Dialogue, we cannot overemphasize the centrality of SADC to properly mobilize and champion the interests of young people. We cannot overemphasize the importance of ECOWAS to champion the interests of your Western African young people. We cannot overemphasize, ladies and gentlemen, the centrality of EIA, the East African community of states, that champion the interests of young people, in the same manner in which the common market for East and Southern Africa, COMESA, has a very important role to do, in the same way that the Arab Maghreb Union has a particular responsibility for young people in North Africa, and the community of the Sahel and the Saharan states, coupled with that of ECAS, the economic community of Central Africa states. So all young people must have an umbrella body that are pivoted on this economic regional uh, communities of the African Union, because that is substantively the only regional mechanism, ladies and gentlemen, for young people to be proper, properly organized. I want to obviously indicate, ladies and gentlemen, that if you look at East Africa, 
East Africa approximately is a region 445 young people. The medium age in East Africa is 19 years. So out of a population of 445, 19 is the average age of your population in East Africa. In North Africa, ladies and gentlemen, you have a region with a population size of 246 million and your average population size is 26 years old. If you look at Central Africa, it has a median age of 17 years of age out of a population of 179. And the southern region of Africa have a population median age of 27 years out of a population of just over 76 million. West Africa, which is by and large the second biggest region after East Africa, with a population size of 401 million, has a median age of young people of 18 years. So, my presentation today to you, ladies and gentlemen, is a problem statement. It's a problem statement confirmed by statistics that young people across the entire spectrum, in all the different regions in Africa, constitute the majority in terms of the average ages of society. It therefore holds, ladies and gentlemen, what Franz Fanon have said is that each generation, out of relative obscurity, must fulfill its own mission or betray it. Nelson Mandela, out of relative obscurity, amidst the depth of colonialism and apartheid, discovered his mission and fulfilled it. You, as the inheritors of this great, gigantic struggle icon of Africa, has only one choice, ladies and gentlemen, only one. You either fulfill your mission of economic freedom, or you betray your mission of economic freedom. Thank you very much.